Hello, hello, and welcome to Think Social, the smart marketing podcast for millennials, brought to you by Sherilyn Gomes and Lauren Quinn. Coming up on today's show, is thought leadership just another marketing buzzword, or can it be used as part of your branding strategy? We'll be talking to Renee Lamel, Head of Marketing at Bonfire, Perth's leading digital marketing agency. Ren, welcome to Think Social. Thanks so much for joining us today. Shay and I have been talking a lot lately about thought leadership and how to put yourself in a position of authority. But before we get into it, can you tell us how your marketing journey began? Thanks for having me. Uh, I guess my uh, marketing journey is probably not the most obvious um, path. Entering university, I was actually starting to become a dentist. Oh, really? Yes. Um, Interesting. <laughs> let's just say that my first year in my medical career didn't end so well. So, um, <laughs> not so much bitten, but uh, distracted is probably a better term. So anyway, I um, had a bit of a rethink about my my journey and what I actually want, wanted to do, what I was passionate about. Um, under the advice of some people around me, um, I went into the business field thinking I was going to end up being an accountant or someone in finance. Naturally. I, yes, because I'm such a numbers person. <laughs> from from dentist to accountant to marketing whiz. Yeah. Well, I'm not sure whiz, but um, <laughs> yeah, look, marketing, I guess, triggered um, a couple of my key interests and that's where why I ended up in that space. I like working with numbers and the science and the consumer behavior and all that sort of stuff, yeah. but also like the creative piece, you know, where you yeah, there's self-expression and so on. So I uh, ended up doing a degree in marketing and then planned to travel the world. Accidentally fell into a marketing manager role straight out of university, which put pay to <laughs> all my international, <laughs> <laughs> international travels, which was in the real estate game and haven't looked back. And, oh, wow. You know, the journey's been around the real estate space. It's been around the tech space. Mm. There was a couple of years taken in Europe to, you know, see the world and set myself up in London. And then I came back and uh, started with what is now Bonfire and we're almost 15 years deep into that journey. Wow. So that's been quite a journey then. So you've come quite a fair way since you've left uni. So, But now from your standpoint, how important do you think thought leadership is? Oh, look... It's a tricky question. Uh, how important is it? Yeah, we need people in our respective fields that are that passionate and mm. put that much effort into learning and experimenting to create a knowledge base for the rest of us to kind of build on or work with. So I think it's critical, but I think it exists across the board. Do you think it's critical for the success of a business or for the success of an individual marketing person? Put it in the context of our business, so myself and Bonfire, is thought leadership important to us? I listen and follow to what to people I would consider thought leaders and they help me know about new innovations or, you know, dissecting new research or um, case studies on stuff that they've done that mm. we can apply to the business. So that helps inform my strategic plans. Yeah. Um, I say for you, it's the, you're an extension of the business. Your brand is an extension of My personal Bonfire. brand? Yeah. yeah. Um, people think of Bonfire and they think of you. They think of well, like, yeah, mate, well, <laughs> I guess part of that was inadvertent. Like that was necessarily a, a planned thing. I'm regrettably a fairly social butterfly. And, uh, um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say regrettably because I mean, you know, your social network is also an extension of your work network as well. Like you're quite a social butterfly, but I think that's also a key part of being within the marketing industry. You know, it's not so much what you know, but also the who you know aspect of it as well. And you've got quite a bit of influence as well, just not even 
not even within the bonfire circle, but like, you know, within your social network, because we're friends outside of work as well. And yeah, I definitely see you as an influence in, you know, different aspects, depending yeah, on what I'm looking for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, absolutely. Marketing's, um, we'll call it socializing, the networking component to that. Obviously, there's um, a lot of that's done in a social context is a, a really valuable part of that journey, especially in the business that we're in. We're obviously in a business-to-business space um, and we rely heavily on not just client relationships but obviously mm. partner relationships and industry networks and that sort of thing. And I probably learnt the art of networking quite late. Well, not late. My career is not over, hopefully. <laughs> um, but later in my career, I used to hate the idea of networking when I was younger. An introverted person going in amongst a whole bunch of people that were 20 years in the yeah. game and talking about all this yeah, stuff definitely. that I had no opinion Can around. relate. But, you know, once you, once you move past some of your issues around comfort zone, you build a bit of confidence around your knowledge base, you're a lot more confident to hold your own. And I would recommend people push themselves out of that comfort zone as soon as they can in their career. Yeah. Because a lot of avenues open up outside of whatever it is for your business mm. uh, in terms of parts and opportunities and that sort of thing. Yeah. And for our listeners, what advice would you give them in regards to thought leadership and whether or not they're self-employed or they're a small mom and pop business? What advice would you give them in terms of implementing thought leadership into their overall strategy? It's a really tricky thing because I'm quite sceptical around the term thought leadership. Mm. You know, when someone talks to me about thought leadership now, my mind goes straight to the idea of the social media guru. Yeah. Right? Do you think that it's become more of a buzzword than anything? Is it just another bandwagon? Look, it, you can't help but feel like it is a little bit. Coming from a bit of an old school philosophy on things, I believe you've got to earn your stripes. And the thought leaders back in the day were people that committed their time and their, their life work to being absolute experts in their field. Mm. You know, and that was you know, doing research and having it disproven and, you know, writing theses and all that sort of stuff. Nowadays, we live in this world where dissemination of media is really, really easy. Any man with a, a laptop or a device can share their opinions on things. A lot of those opinions unfounded or not backed up by any sort of science or research. And if they put enough of it out, they are suddenly labeled a thought leader. Now, you know, like I said, it's a fairly cynical approach, but I think thought leadership doesn't, as an expression, now carry the same sort of weight it once did because it is very easy for anyone to proclaim themselves as a thought leader. And for the same reason, I don't think I've done enough in my career yet to be what I would consider a thought leader. Yes, I've got a you've knowledge got, in the space. You've but... got how many years behind you now in the industry? Too many. but i think that ties into the fact if you are saying that you're a thought leader you're probably not if other people see you as a thought leader you're probably more likely to be a thought leader in the space yeah i think that's a really valid statement yeah Yeah. and there are there's a lot of self-proclaimed thought leaders going around at the moment but it's the people that just do what they do and share that information in context not so much to market per se but just to share information Mm. because it's for the greater good of the industry, whether that's marketing or any other um, industry. They tend to be the genuine thought leaders. Yeah. Yeah. I think it ties into what responsibility do thought leaders have towards their audience? If you've got a big following and people see you as a thought leader, do you have a sense of responsibility to show them transparent, original content? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, but also, does it matter if you've got a big following or if you've only got like 10 followers? Like, what's your responsibility towards what you put out there and, you know, in the online space or just out into the world? I think you've got a, an onus of responsibility, whether you're talking to one person or mm. you're talking to 500,000 people. Like, if someone's coming to you as a source of information and they're going to take action or be influenced by that, mm-hmm. 
then everyone holds a sense of responsibility. And they should. That, exactly right. And so, like, going back to my original point, where a lot of people just have an opinion about everything and don't really think a hell of a lot about the validity of it, they just want to share it. The importance of that responsibility, I think, is diminished in our current day and age. I think that a lot more importance needs to be placed on the fact that if people are an audience, whether you've got you know followers on Instagram or you're getting up in front of a, an auditorium of people at a, mm. a conference, that you've done your due diligence around the information that you're going to present and make sure that you fact-check. Like, people don't even fact-check no. on social media, no, right? No, <laughs> People have just kind of read a post and they've, they've read the headline and they're, they're throwing it on their social media to build their thought leadership credentials. And half the time it's not real or no one's actually done the research. So yeah. fundamentally it's their credentials and their experience that should determine whether they qualify as a thought mm. leader or not. Yeah. Uh, everyone's got an opinion. Yep. Uh, the dime doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> so you need to filter through that. Um, you know, and as you go through your career, you seek consult from people that you trust. And that trust is built around those credentials. Like where have they worked? What experience have they got? What proof of an ability to do something? Mm. Before, or you go to university and you just assume they're lecturers or they're you know, tutors, that they've, they've got the academic backing behind what they've got to say. But also I think it's important that people do their own research too and not just take the word of someone else. Like if you're going to hire a specialist to come in and consult, you know, whether it's marketing or whatever, I mean, naturally you'd be doing your research, research on who that person is. Why should you pay them X amount of dollars? Why should you trust the advice that you have to give? So naturally, likewise, if you're going to seek out information or you're going to ask someone something, it's important that you do your own research as well and their opinion validates your own opinion that you might have formed or you know, it might challenge it in a good way as well. So I think it's important for you to do your own. Yeah, I think the onus comes back on the individual. Mm. Coming up after the break, Ren shares his top tips on how to succeed in the marketing industry and his marketing predictions for 2020. So how does thought leadership currently impact your marketing strategies at Bonfire or personal branding? It probably influences us on two fronts. One, it's obviously we turn or I turn to thought leaders to inform me about what's going on in the world, marketing and innovation and that sort of stuff. Give us some ideas around what we should be testing, what we should be trialing, what's new, what's case studied um, activity that, that we can replicate. To a different extent, we might use thought leadership as a part of our marketing strategy itself. So, you know, I'm blessed to work with 42 other very bright minds, give or take. Um, maybe present company <laughs> just jokes and so there's a lot of very talented specialists in our in our group and a big part of our brand is the quality and level of knowledge that we possess in the field of search and marketing and performance marketing and analytics and data and all that sort of stuff so for us it's really important to elevate that position through thought leadership content so that's in particular strategy for us because it lines up with our brand mm. and our purpose to educate people and uh, so that's that's probably the two ways that the thought leadership piece works for us and how do you roll out that strategy uh look in a myriad of ways a big thing for me is we've got a, um, a middle layer of management and they're generally the really smart cookies in bonfire oh thank you <laughs> i'm not saying i'll anything. take that <laughs> uh and so i i'm very consciously trying to elevate their brand 
out in market because they are the backbone of the exceptional work that we do and breaking boundaries and pushing frontiers and the sort of activities that thought leadership should be based on. So through that, they are either creating content like writing blogs or articles, trying to put them in front of audiences so that they're doing the keynote speaking piece or on panels. Mm-hmm. We do have one coming up. At Space Cube. Oh, do you? <laughs> we do. Oh, wow. Maddie's what, what coming is, to visit. Oh, uh-huh. yes, we do. That's right. <laughs> Stay tuned. So good at this. No, but that, exactly. It's a prime example of the sort of strategies that we're undertaking so that uh, those staff members can actually become a part of our brand um, experience. Yeah, just like you are. Us. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's really the, the sharing of knowledge as well, not to just pay clients, but just the general public as well, those within the industry. It's let me let me drag you back to something you said. You said you turn to thought leaders. Who do you recognise? Not to put you on the spot, but who do you recognise as a thought leader? Oh, there's so many. Um, there's probably some people in the industry that I find quite interesting that I respect a lot. Um, Gav up at Meerkats is probably someone that I respect more so from the way he runs a business and manages an agency and the way he's curated a team and worked towards a particular strategic direction with that agency in particular. There's people in the creative space, I'm not going to name drop them all, but I've got a few <laughs> people around me that I think are exceptional operators. Yeah. And the good thing is they they are an abundance of knowledge without you know wanting to be recognized as that thing and yeah. I, I, the the way that works for me is i'd much rather go and have a beer with them and have a casual chat about industry and that sort of stuff and glean really important information mm. and see them as thought leaders without putting them on a pedestal do you think yeah. they know that they're thought leaders probably not <laughs> probably not but it's it's funny because i said you know to others within the industry you would be recognized as a thought leader but you said no that can't be that can't be it's funny because you don't you don't seem to have that self awareness of you know the the influence that you have on others, and like I know people within the industry that you know are just starting out or you know they've been within the marketing industry for a few years and they would love to pick your brain. So that being said, how what advice would you give to young budding marketers on how do you get to where you've gotten? What's the pathway? Surely there's a... What's the simple formula? Yeah, what's, what's yeah, the quick and easy right. route? Is it to study <laughs> if, if, look, if I had that, yeah, that's right. <laughs> start in the wrong career and end up here. Uh, and look, there is obviously there's no simple formula. I think everyone who's listening knows that. Uh, otherwise, everyone would be doing it and there'd be like 100,000 marketing grads all following the same path to nowhere. There's a couple of, I guess, key bits of wisdom, if I can, that I'll impart. Early on in your career, get across as much of the industry as you can. So dip your toe in as many opportunities as you possibly can so you can see what you resonate with. The reason I have ended up where I am, not that I feel like I'm talking about my career like it's over, (laughs) um, is because I found something that I am passionate about. And I've been working with Bonfire now for 14 and a half, almost 15 years. and Almost two decades. Almost two decades. (laughs) Thank you, Shaq. You should be a mathematician. Um, And I could probably count the number of days on my hand that I woke up in the morning and didn't feel like going to work. So and that's not to say that every day is you know, peaches and cream. Mm. There's lots of challenges and that's a big part of what I love about it. But I found something that I'm passionate about and I was always drawn to technology mm-hmm. and to innovation and if I could combine those two in the marketing sphere, I found my jam. Now, that's not everyone's jam. You know, some people are content-driven, some people... You know, want to be working with the analytical piece and then more data driven. There's the whole data science piece. So there's a lot of paths in marketing that you can 
take at the moment. Yeah. You won't know which one's yours unless you experience a little bit of all of them. Right? And a lot of us try and get fixated on one linear path and that's not how it works. Now, the other piece in that is work on your transferable skills as well because you know the, the world's a changing landscape. Uh, the changes by Amazon and Google where they're not necessarily looking at people's qualifications anymore when they look to employ staff looking for um, those transfer transferable skills so that they can put you into any situation and know that you can be a critical thinker and a problem solver and that sort of stuff. So work on building a really strong skill set in those skills that those sort of companies or agencies want. I have a question. What would you say is the top three uh, skill sets you need to succeed? Truth. Um, <laughs> not to put you on the spot. The top three. Uh, Quick thinkers. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> obviously not one of mine. <laughs> uh, look, I think adaptability is really important. You need to be able to... But we're in a dynamic world at the best of times. Our particular landscape and marketing is changing all the time. So you need to be able to be agile. Mm-hmm. not wanting to use a buzz term, but that's all the rage at the moment. I think there's needs to be an appetite to learn and develop Definitely. and grow. Uh, there's so many people from the old school of marketing that haven't kept up and are finding themselves quite redundant. Mm-hmm. And that also comes down to it being less about your skill and more about your um, your skill set or your capability. Sorry, that's the term I was looking for. The third one, network, people. Be a people person. But what if you don't like to network? And what if you don't like people? I thought like you were going to say, people? what if you don't like people? <laughs> well, that too. That was my follow-up question. What if you don't like people? You, know, you don't have to like people to be able to get the best out of being around people. Okay. You know, like I said, I started not, I mean, people who know me would say this is, I don't know whether I can swear, bullshit. But, um, <laughs> that I was quite introverted in, in those sort of social, if I'm around people I know, you know what, good luck to you. I won't stop talking. But... <laughs> To actually break through and have conversations with people, there's skills that you can build around that. And probably what I wish I'd done more earlier on in my career was seek consult or liaise with senior people in the industry and pick their brains. A bit like what you're potentially allowing people to do through this podcast. Yeah. This is this is the goal. This is not for the listeners. This <laughs> yeah. is for us. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, more specifically around your career. Yeah. And, and sometimes when you're early on in your career, you're a little bit, I don't know what I'm doing, so I happen to have a conversation with someone. But mm-hmm. that's a conversation in itself. You know, where you sit down with someone you respect and say, hey, can I buy you a cup of coffee and tell you where I'm at? And I'm a bit confused mm-hmm. and I like this and I don't like that. And they might be able to it's point you in a, a direction. Confidence thing as well. Like I think for me, one of my biggest fears is not knowing a response when I'm having a conversation and coming across looking stupid or looking mm. silly because you're having a conversation with someone that's very smart and you're just there kind of being like, oh, I don't know. Yeah, but they're not born smart. People no. aren't bought, they, they develop that through experience and This is learning. true. This is right. true. And they come across as confident even though they might not be. It could just, yeah. they could be just talking a whole lot of nothing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> bravado is, I mean, you know, a big part of the game, mm. right? But most of the people that are genuine, humble thought leaders, I mean, for me, <laughs> it's, most brag. of the people that are decent thought leaders just been around the game for a really long period of time mm. and have got lots of diverse experience and, you know, they've achieved certain things. And... That's a a thought leader, but they're not going to put themselves up on a panel based on that. Yeah. And all those people have come from somewhere and they understand that you normally have started from humble beginnings and you've done your time. And that's really an old school way of thinking. But in the current generation, if I look at the people in, I guess, my juncture of my career, they've all done it through 20 years of hard work. And they started out in 
some you know menial job, probably getting paid pittance and worked really hard to get to where they are. You know, not so much a millennial mindset per se. Yeah, it's easy to forget that though. Yeah, someone that's coming in. Yeah, but that's right. And so you you only look at what they are now, but you forget how they've got to where they are. And yeah, they, you know they weren't definitely. born brilliant. And the, those people will give you the time of day if you're genuine. And you know, obviously don't waste people's time, but if you're genuine. Some good questions, half an hour, cup of coffee, and um, you can learn a lot from mm. It's funny because I've had a lot of conversations over the years with a number of you know new grads um, and just people who are getting started in their careers and they want to climb that ladder really, really quickly. They're very ambitious, which I'm totally behind. Um, within reason. Within reason, but yeah. also just I've found that more often than not, I've actually had to manage expectations and go, look, this is great. You're a smart cookie. You know what you're about. You know what you want, which is phenomenal. But you need. But I think the thing that people are forgetting is that you need to pair that with experience and time. And over time, you're going to get there eventually. It's not because you're not working hard enough or not quick enough. It's it's just the fact. It's just a waiting game at that point. When you you know when if you've got the skill set, you've got the drive. You're a hard worker. You know what you're about. It's just it's just about waiting, waiting it out, and you know building your skill set, building your experience over time. But it's really hard to get through to people when I say that because no one wants to hear it. They want to know how they can get to the top of where you are at, in five years time. Yeah, yeah. Look, it, there's probably a whole bunch of thought leaders that have told them they can do it in two years. <laughs> that's that's the whole problem with this game. Look, it's very hard to replace experience, right? Mm. And experience can't be accrued in two years. And I also encourage people to be motivated and enthusiastic and want to climb the tree. That's actually quite a you know a good skill, not a skill, it's a mindset a to have, yeah. right? It's and people that are driven in that sort of way will get places. Mm. But to your point, you you can only read so many books and watch so many videos to build your knowledge base. And some of it you've actually just got to do through working in different sectors or working with different people or working on different projects. And you can't shortcut that. And for you to your opinion to be uh, validated, that comes with experience. It's mm. not that your opinion doesn't matter, but in the broader spectrum of dealing with people that have been in the game for a lot longer, you're only going to be trusted with a little bit of credibility behind you. And most of that does kind of come with time. Yeah. So, but yes, I, I empathise with your pain, Shay. So let's finish off with our final question. Marketing predictions for 2020. Have you got any ideas? You've probably been asked this 101 times, but we're going to make it 102. Oh, look, it's 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 that time of year. It's basically <laughs> the last quarter of every year. Everyone's got their predictions. And there are so many. And I guess the all of the buzz things that we've been talking about for the last three or four years is still true. Fortunately, the term disruption is being used slightly less, which is great. <laughs> but I think the new... But Agile's jumped in. Oh, <laughs> it'll be definitely a while. That's right. <laughs> Um, yeah, thought leadership's the new um, agile. Uh, no, look, I, I think disruptions disappeared. The new buzz in the marketing game is experience. Experience is back. Everything's about experience, whether it's customer experience, brand experience, user experience, employee experience. So, and it's a it's a space that's probably getting airplay because there's been a shift towards understanding the marketing piece from a bit of a longer term view. Mm-hmm. We've come through some pretty tough economic times, both locally, domestically, and internationally. And so when that happens, everyone wants to just focus on the short term, getting money through the door straight away without investing in the brand and you know the story behind your your products and the why and all that sort of stuff. So it feels like there's a real movement towards trying to invest in that again, which is really good to see kind of goes against what a lot of we, what we say <laughs> from a digital space but we also know that strong brands 
deliver yeah. better results even from a digital perspective. But I mean, that being said, it's you know experience can still apply to the digital space. So it's not like you know you go online, you you have a good experience or you have a bad experience. It's it's not exactly um, not applicable. Yeah, well, and yeah, absolutely. I mean, the experience in the digital space is probably even more critical because people are so fickle mm. in the digital arena. So they're very impatient. They want it to be super engaging. They expect a lot more from it due to the nature of the, the technology and the platforms and that sort of stuff. So yeah, I think you're absolutely right. But when I talk about the investment in brand is beyond experience, it's they're looking at what their story is over an extended period of time. So people yeah. actually sitting there and going and doing billboards like us crazy bonfire people, <laughs> uh, and investing in knowing what their brand stands for and then not measuring it based on how many people picked up the phone. Because sometimes those brand strategies can't be quantified very easily. Uh, so you need to just trust in the bigger picture. Again, that comes with time. Correct. correct. <laughs> um, and I guess in terms of what, what predictions, like genuine predictions are going to happen because some of this stuff's probably five years, but definitely in the next 12 months, um, voice and digital is going to become, uh, digital assistants are going to become even more prolific. You can see locally now how much retail energy is going into Google Homes and mm-hmm. Alexas and, you know, Siri this. And, it's you know. scary. It's yeah. getting scary out there. Well, it's, look, it's just, it's the new, it's the new touch. You know, we, we got really excited when our devices, you could do yeah, stuff with your screen, finger, right? Yeah. And now we can do it with voice and three or four years from now, we won't even need to, we'll just think it and it will happen and it will be. And that would be pretty scary because no one wants to be thinking like me. Yeah. (laughs) And the scariest part is they're actually testing that. That was Mm. at the um, state of social, wasn't it? Yeah, that's right. So it's not that far away. No, it's not. I'm scared. (laughs) The rates of adoption and obviously evolution in tech are exponentially growing. So Mm. what we thought would take 15 years in the past probably took 10 now what we think will take five will probably be here next year oh, so <laughs> um but yeah definitely we will from a marketing point of view voice and digital assistance will be a big thing for brands um data will continue to be the new oil as they like to call it uh wh- whether we can harness it cost effectively and not get too caught up in trying to find the perfect view of the customer where you know we know somebody to a such a granular level that we spend a half million dollars finding that person and have one message for them where it becomes impractical, we don't know. That's going to be cleared up over time. But data is still critical. AI, machine learning, it's it's there. I was talking to Sam, who um, works with us, and he's a bit of a data bottom guy, and he said, people are so fixated on how do I integrate artificial intelligence and machine learning into our businesses. And what they don't realize is, you know, 80% of the tools they're currently using are already using that technology. Google, for example, is all, you know, machine learning driven at the moment. So you're using it already, but they're so fixated, they've got to go and spend lots and lots of money on it to create a unique project when that's, you know, it's probably... And some of the times, they probably don't even need it as well. It's probably not really relevant towards their own marketing strategy. Yeah, and that's that's a really good point. It's one of those things where we get caught up in the buzz without actually stepping back and going, okay, so what are our objectives as a business? Or if you're an agency, what are our clients' objectives? And then what is the strategy required to achieve those goals? Mm. And if machine learning is not a part of that journey or data, which is unlikely, is not a part of that journey or voice is not a part of that journey, then you don't do it just because, you know, everyone else is talking <laughs> about it. But that's, you know, we're marketing people. We get a bit excited. <laughs> and there's a few thought leaders probably out there pitching it. All right. That is it from us. Thank you so much for coming in and having a chat to us, letting us pick your brain. It has been very, very interesting seeing what goes on inside our head of yours. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure and good luck with the rest of the series. Thank you so much.